Our Father, we give you thanks for today. Thank you because you have prepared something special for us. And we will not miss our portion of it in the name of Jesus. Amen. And let's declare the word of understanding as we begin to study today. Are we ready? Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. The Lord is good. All the time. I said the Lord is good. All the time. If you believe that, give me an amen. Amen. Please shake somebody's hand on your left or your right. Tell the person congratulations. Congratulations. So you are very wise. You are very wise. You could have gone to watch a match. <laughs> you could have gone to G somewhere. But you came to study the word of God. Tell the person you are very wise. Tell the person you are very wise. And God will reward your decision. Today, understanding is coming to you. Tell the person freedom is coming to you. Say clarity is coming to you. Direction, divine direction is coming to you. Say total healing. From the top of your head. From the person's head. Say from the top of your head. To the soles of your feet. Point to the feet. Say you will be healed totally. As paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus. Alright, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats and kick off into learning the word of God. We have been looking at, um, of course, indirectly, uh, the source of eternal life. What we have been looking at uh, this series, we titled it The Way, The Truth, and The Life. And that is based upon what uh, the Lord Jesus said to us. Let's just read that again. It would be nice to start with it. The book of John chapter 17. Now we just want to read that again from verse 1. The Bible says, Jesus spoke these things, and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that his Son may glorify you, even as you give him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. Now notice verse 3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus whom you have sent. Let me just stop reading there. That's what we have been doing. Looking at the significance of this or how to go about it. What is eternal life? Eternal life is the, let me, I want to use an expression. It's interesting. It's the blood of God flowing into you. Do you understand my point here? That's eternal life. Eternal life is the spirit, the substance inside God that flows into his creation so that you and I will perform as God created us to perform. That is eternal life. When life is cut off, God warned Adam, and he said that the day you eat of that tree, that day you shall surely die. Dying, he said, you shall die. Now what that means is that you will be cut off from the source of life, and then things will begin to crumble, things will begin to um, fold up. Let me put, use that expression again. It begins to fold up. You know, like you're driving in a car, you're spinning very fast, all right, on the flat ground. If you turn off your engine, you can keep moving for the next two minutes or so. All right, but the engine is dead, but the car is still gliding. The car is still rolling. So what happened to mankind was that after Adam sinned, they cut off the source of eternal life. 
but physically they were still breathing. Do you understand? So the word of God was not, you know, uh, the, 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 the promise of God did not fail. I'm using the expression as promise. That day they surely died. What happened was that things began to fold up. Things began to fold up. You know, I was um, I was listening to David Paulson once, and he talked about when he went to a particular place, and a man was trying to, you know, was trying to contradict his teaching of righteousness, and he said to David Paulson, "Listen, um, I'm a good man. I'm as good as anybody. Ask around the factory; they know me. I'm the man that stands up for other people. I help other people." Essentially, was saying, "I'm morally good. I'm morally okay. What do I need to go to church for? Look at it. I'm already a good man. Are you getting my point?" David Paulson, as a man was speaking. He was praying in his heart, God, what do I tell this man? And suddenly the Lord gave me a word of knowledge. And when the man finished, he told him simply, you're a good man, summarizing it now, you're a good man because you grew up under the influence of your grandfather and he took you to church. Your goodness, okay, is the manifestation of the godliness that your grandfather put into you. But you are still good even though you have stopped going to church. And he told the man, your children will not be able to say these things. Because, you see, the force of eternal life is still carrying you on. But dying, you have died. Are you getting my point? But you don't realize it yet. The force of the man who took you to church is still pushing you. Your children do not have that advantage. So one day they are going to grow up and they will not find the life of God operating in them at all. So he said, when godliness disappears in one generation, goodness disappears in the next. That is the way it works. So when one generation forsakes God, it is the next generation you will see the impact of their forsaking God. That's how it works. So when God said to Adam, in dying you shall die, what happened is that Adam was cut off that day, and it took a while. One of the manifestations was that one day his son killed his brother. That's a manifestation of death. I'm trying to talk about eternal life, actually. So eternal life is when things get begin to rearrange. When, when the life of God starts flowing into you, things start rearranging. Do you understand me? The person that was predisposed to falling sick starts remaining well. It takes a while before you see the fullness of that manifestation. But that eternal life begins to flow. It begins to flow. And that's the thing. So eternal life is that power of God that flows into us to make sure things work properly. It reverses the force of death. It reverses things that have gone wrong and they begin to go correctly. That is what eternal life is. So how do we tap that eternal life? We'll be looking at that for some time. and We're not about to stop now. Eternal life does not come by prayer, that they lay none of hands. You cannot lay hands on a Christian and expect all his problems to be solved in one day. When God works one miracle like that, it's really one miracle. Are you getting my point? That's really that one miracle. It ties the person over for a few days, and that's it. Eternal life doesn't work like that. It's not by laying none of hands. Eternal life does not come by crying. The Bible says that Jesus was speaking to us here. He said, how does it come? It's through the true knowledge of God. It comes through the true knowledge. It's knowledge that brings forth eternal life. He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you. They know you as the only true God. And when you want to know God, the way by which you know him, which is why we're doing this series, The Way, The Truth, and The Life, is by knowing his son, Jesus Christ. When you behold the face of Jesus, through that you are knowing the true God. That's the way it works. And I said something on Tuesday, which I've said many times, just like repeating it again. Knowledge in the realm of the spirit is not intellectual information. I, I, I can't say that enough. Knowledge is power. You know, you know, let me give you an example now. You know, if you are eating, a man who's eating well or eating more than he used to eat, you will see it on him. You don't have to be there when he's eating. Are you getting my point? You know, I saw one of my cousins the other day, you know, who I had not seen in a long time. A few years ago, he moved from Nigeria to America. When I saw him, I was asking, is he around? They said he's around. Where is he? They pointed to him. And I looked again. And I looked a second time, 
I said, which one of them? They described <laughs> why the man had added weight. I never seen him that fat, fat in my life. You get what the point I'm making here? I saw a man who had not seen a long time because he had changed his diet. I saw it on him. I didn't have to go and tell him, tell me you have been eating. He doesn't have to say it. Once I see his face, I know it. Now, the food, now listen to this. The food of the realm of the spirit is the spiritual knowledge that you acquire. When you eat it, demons can see your size. It's not about, uh, no, they can see your size. Physically, you may not change, but the angels can see your size. They know this man is adding weight or is losing weight. The more of God you understand, the fatter you are in the realm of the spirit. When the Bible says the yoke will be broken you know, by the anointing, you've heard that expression before in Isaiah, what he actually said is the yoke will be broken because of fatness. Because your neck will have become fat, the yoke that they put upon your neck, the enemies, it will break by itself. It's not that tonight anointing is coming. Every yoke will be broken. Mm-mm, that's what the Bible says. What the Bible said, the yoke will be broken how? By fatness. That's the name of the word anointing. Is King Jesus is the word anointing. Fatness is what the Bible says. Fatness is what the prophet said. Now listen to this. That's how it is. When a man eats spiritual food, which is the word of God, the knowledge of God, the knowledge of Christ Jesus. You know all these people are saying that come for family deliverance. Don't go. There's no need. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. There is no need. Because if you like, break the bonds on their faces, on, the, on, the, on, the, on their necks, the yoke on their neck. As soon as you go away, the devil that put it there will come back and put it back. And usually he puts a stronger one. Yes. No, think about it now. If you tie an animal, you tear, use neck, tear the rope. When you want to tie it back, you the same rope. Now I lie. You go back and say, give me a fatter rope. Say, so I don't want rope again. Give me chain. <laughs> Don't let, the, don't let the devil change, change, change your family member by carrying them for deliverance. Be, no, I'm telling you the truth. If it was possible for that devil to go, it will go and wait outside. When the prayer warriors, it won't go anywhere. Most of those guys are hungry people, so forget that. Thing. The devil is not going to go. They are laying in the realm of the spirit. They, them themselves, they know. It's not, you, know, you don't carry people for prayer who the, they don't have spiritual substance to sustain them. You, 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 there's, there's no point. There's no point. I remember once we read do, 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 those days. Just to um, support what I've been saying. Omar Jesu in his book. Was it other Omar Bajesu and Mandalini, one of the two of them? You know, those two people that were delivered, delivered from darkness those days. I don't know. Okay, many of you who know. And most people who don't know. Okay, okay. You need, to be, you need to have been an adult like 25 years ago for you to know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm not joking. All right? The books were raining in the early 80s. Okay? That's um, Emmanuel Eni and... Um, Omo Bajesu, alright, two of them. I think it was Emmanuel and he said that once he followed one girl to church, he was chasing a woman and then followed her to church. And then it was a Christian girl and then he followed her to church. And as soon as he entered, <laughs> the church, the prayer warriors pounced on him. They descend that he had a lot of evil spirits and they began to cast them out. They held him by force and cast out every single one of the evil spirits. Well, that's the story by himself later. Of course, all the spirits left him. You know what they did? They went outside. Said, this church is a dangerous place. And as soon as that service ended, he came out. They repossessed him. They, are his, they were his friends. You are the ones that say he's possessed. They were his friends. He was an occultist. He needed them to function. So when you were casting them out, who won't die? The spirits didn't want to die. And they went out and waited. And as soon as the service was over, they returned into him and he continued in his evil ways. 
He finally met the Lord by himself much later. Now, what I'm going to say here is this. Sometimes you want to force people to be delivered. You can deliver them for a moment. If the deliverance is not accompanied by spiritual weight gain, the yoke will return. And if you want to have your yoke destroyed by yourself, gain spiritual weight. Gain spiritual weight. Just like we can gain weight physically, we can gain weight spiritually. And what I'm emphasizing is that that weight in the realm of the spirit is, the, is by knowledge. Is by knowledge. Is by knowledge. Is what you understand. Is what you understand. Is what you understand. You hear me say it all the time. That witches don't come near my house. And they know I'm not bragging. Why don't they come? I don't know. They can't come. <laughs> That's all I can say. I can't say more than that. Prove to me. I don't need. They know. They are aware of it. That is why I don't pray every witch that comes near my environment. In the name of Jesus. Ask my wife. There are things I have never, ever said. Why should I say them? Why would I say them? Like, the one I say all the time is that if you have the power, if your court is so strong and you have the ability, jump my fence. If you survive the jumping of the fence, then just know that you gave your life to Christ in mid-air. <laughs> that by the time you were landing, you had repented. If your evil was still in you, by the time you were landing, forget it, you are dead meat. You are totally fried. And I can prove it to you. Satan, God asked him, have you considered my servant Job? You know what did he say? We don't go near his house. Why? We saw the protection you put around him. Why would these agents start going to the place where the ogre can't go? It's simple. Many prayers Christians pray, what they are saying is that we know we are not protected. We know God is not on our side. We know we are at risk. That's what they are praying. I said on Tuesday, be careful. Not every prayer point you join. There is not every prayer point. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not joking about it. If I go to a church and say that if you want to break the back of poverty today, come forward. If I get up, God will punish me. If I, and if you get up, <laughs> you're on your own. No? Because there are things that you are admitting some things. When I talked to one of my colleagues, a woman, I said, you believe, believe in women's liberation? He said, for those who are in bondage, they can be liberated. I'm not in bondage. Now, did you see the way she answered it? Yes. Say, women liberation, he said, for the women who are bound, let them be liberated. For those of us who are not bound, do you? <laughs> very, very good answer. In the same manner, if I go to a church, you tell me that, listen, today I come with an anointing to break the poverty in your life. There's nothing you want to say that will make me get up. Nothing. Tell me all the stories they tell all the time. There's nothing you want to tell me. Why? You said you came to break the bondage of poverty. I have to first admit I am in bondage to poverty before I listen to you. I don't care how anointed you are. You are I'm not your client. Let me put it like that. I am not your client. Say, but you are not rich yet. Who told you? You must be blind. Show me your riches. If you can't see it, you are proving to me you are blind. My riches is not car, it's not house, it's not cash. It's spiritual liberty. You are getting my point here? That's a matter of fact. <laughs> I need look, that's why it's not every you call for some prayer point. I told you I went, I went to a church once. They were praying, a big church, I don't know the church. I used to go there a lot. The big man, very powerful minister, without praying. Before, you know, maybe like we finished before a session, like you, like uh, 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 Apostle Kimothy was leading prayer earlier now. Of course, we're there. 
And one woman tapped me after a while. She said, which one do I go to? I was like, what do you mean? We're all here together. We came for a program. What do you mean, which one do I go to? You know that kind of thing. She said she's asking because she knows that when they are releasing some prayer points, when everybody is praying and fighting and praying, I'll just fold my hands and be looking. Now, she didn't know where I came from. Where the school I went to, we, are not, we don't fight when we are praying. That's when I was in school. All right? We talk. Okay? One. Then number two, the one I couldn't tell her, is that, Madam, I consider all those prayer points pointless. A prayer point that has no point. They are not points. They are prayer blunts. Are you getting my point? A prayer point, you have a point. I said, I, I couldn't tell her that. That all those prayer points, I was looking at all of you and I was wondering what you were praying about. Why? Let me give you a prayer point. Sometimes they will say that. You will say, the word I want to hear today, the birds of the air will not pick it and take it away. The devil will not steal it from me. And I'll be wondering, the devil, do you want to steal it? Do you think you can steal it? I'm sorry, I just couldn't understand that prayer point. Listen, it's not arrogant, so, but because I like one bishop, you used to call him, um, spiritual calculus. I had done my calculus. What was my calculus? My calculus was that the Bible said those that the birds of the air came and picked away were those who heard the word and did not understand. You cannot pray that they will not take it away unless you have understanding. It is their right to take it away from those who don't understand. You don't, don't even try to rebuke them. Even if you rebuke them, how will they help you? That was my first point. I said, no. Forget this thing, though. They can't take it away. I felt like calling the devil. Do you think you can take it away? I felt like the devil, come, try. Take it. Let me see whether you can take it. That was my own attitude. So when they raised that prayer point, I'm sorry, I couldn't see anything. I couldn't. And the second reason is that they said, Solomon was speaking, he said, pay attention or give attention that you may gain understanding. I said, no. I took leave from work. Took three buses to get here. You think I came here to joke? I would, listen, I will inform my boss like three weeks, one month ahead that please, ma, by so and so and so date, I would like to take two weeks, two days casual leave. Why? Because I need to go for a particular meeting. A week to the time, I will remind my ogre, please, oh, I need to go for this meeting. Then those two days, they will grant me the casual leave. And I, will, I didn't have the car. I will enter three buses to get to church. And I was wondering, the devil that couldn't stop me from getting here, do you think he can steal this word? So when the woman was asking me, I didn't know how to tell madam, I'm sorry, there are prayer points I don't pray. Because if you have understanding, that does not apply to you. If you want understanding, there are just two things you do. One, you pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Two, you pay attention. That's all. Which we steal the word, it's they can't. They can't. I'm talking about what knowledge does to us as Christians. What we know beefs our spiritual weight. It does. It beats your weight spiritually. It breaks bondages off your neck. I'm sorry to say, people pray and pray. I, oh God, that's why we are going to Botaco next week to go and teach how to pray. <laughs> Listen, people who don't want to grow up in the realm of the spirit are the ones look, running around from one place to the other, looking for who will pray for them and deliver them. Deliverance does not come by prayer like that. It grows. It comes by growing up in the realm of the spirit until you are so fat. All the yokes of the enemy cannot wrap around your neck. Are you getting my point? That is how it comes. So, how does that happen? Jesus said, it's by knowledge. I was saying, so knowledge spiritually is not just, I have a certificate. No. Those with spiritual eyes, the angels, the demons, they can see it. They can see it. They can see it. So, the more of God you know, 
It affects your glow in the realm of the spirit. And listen to this. Eventually, it affects your glow, physically speaking. The Bible says they looked to him and were lightened, or they were radiant, and their faces were no longer ashamed. That is a matter of fact. You see somebody who's always depressed, falling sick again and again and again, there's a depth of understanding you gain. You start looking brilliant when people see you. They wonder why you're always smiling, and you would not even know you are smiling. It's confidence. It's confidence. You know, <laughs> one of the things I've learned... I mean, over the last few years, before I used to argue with people a lot, these days I don't argue that much anymore. I realized that people don't, we don't have the same perspective, all right, concerning life. You know, my wife was telling me somebody who said, like, hey, do you know what this country will be like in the next 50 years? Hmm. That they have piled their children and taken them abroad. I said, you are very, very foolish. Oh, foolish Galatians. Do you know where you are going? What it will be like in 50 years? I don't argue with people anymore. I just said, they don't have my perspective. They don't have my perspective. What I'm trying to say here, when we have knowledge, it affects how we relate with things. It affects how we react to things. It does. So when everybody's worried, you're smiling. As me, you walk in an office, they just sack 10 of you. 10 in one day. And you now form a group of sacked, recently sacked employees. Are you getting my point? Association of recently sacked people. So they come together. You You know what everybody expects? Let me just say something about life. Everybody expects to sit down and together be whining and complaining. How will the poor survive? These wicked people, they want the poor to just die. I know what they expect. Next person will take the next line of the chorus, the song. You know, somebody has finished singing one stanza. Next person will start. That is the problem. They are fully looting the country. Now there's nothing left for the people, common people like us. What are we going to do? Nothing. We will just die. It's a song. Are you getting my point? And I can fix the third stanza. What are we going to do now? I don't know. What are we going to do now? We, we die. It's a song. You don't realize it. <laughs> Listen, when it gets to your own turn to sing, refuse to sing. So what do you think? You look at it and say, when one door closes, the Lord has opened another one. Say so he takes away the first to establish the second. This is the first that has been taken away. The second is coming. What will happen to my children? Uh-uh. What happens to the birds of the air? What happens to the grass in the field? What happens to them? The same God who takes care of them will take care of me and my children. And, you, and you're not joking. And, say, and that's, I get touched that. I get to, to, told that every week now for this reason because I talk with my classmates, all right? I get told that every week. Banky is not in touch with reality. I quarrel with a very good friend of mine because he's a believer. You're a Christian. Don't talk like a non-believer. He said, I, your own kind of patriotism, I don't understand. I said, there are enough of your type practicing your kind of lack of patriotism. The nation needs people like me because it's a battle of words. It's a battle of spirits. Spirits are fighting. Spirits are fighting every day. Will the country go to the left or go to the right? Spirits are fighting. There is nothing out there you see that is physically determined. If spirits are fight to bring them into existence. Spirits fight to bring them into existence. And many of us, have to, I, kept, I keep on referring to this, Rick Joyner says it, many Christians are fighting for Satan. On Satan's side, there are accusers of the brethren. There are accusers of the nation. They are accusers of everything. They plot and plot and plot and show you that the country can't go forward. Go to New York just about 30 years ago. 35 years ago, New York was a useless place. was run by the mafia. Yes. Just a few years ago. 
Ah, I was watching one program the other day on TV. Just less than a hundred years ago, New York was so filthy. You walk on the streets, you walk in manure. Is that not what everybody wants to die and go today? Hey, come on. I was watching something the other day about the history of Europe. There was a time that life expectancy in Europe, life expectancy was 28 to 30. Most people were dead as infants. A few more died as young men and young women. It was a rarity to live to be old. You put an average, most were dead before the age of 30. And it's Europe. I was talking to a brother the other day. I'm just digressing. I'm just talking about life. So you know how you judge things. When you have the knowledge of God, you face life differently. You let your spirit emit something. The other day we were just talking about it. About what led to it. It's a Christian brother in town here. And we just suddenly talked about... Okay, it started with Joss. All right? Talking about a friend of him that brought something for him from Joss. And that the man was complaining that ah, this used to be a peaceful area. And that the house are flat and he wants to drive them away and all of that. And of course, you know the typical uh, uh, southern man, the, the reaction. Eh, this house are flat and people. I said, I told because he's a Christian, you must learn how to talk like a Christian. I said, yes. I said, it's called indignation. I didn't, I didn't think anything of how full and of houses. I said, it's called indignation. I said, tell him it will end when the indignation is over. I said, God is saying, I gave you peace for a long time. What did you do with the peace? In the time of trouble, you know, David said something. He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. He said, I said in my prosperity, I will never be moved. Many times when people have a lot of peace, they don't do what God gave them peace for. Just like in Nigeria, recently we had a lot of prosperity and everybody went crazy. You see people who have never, poverty in the soul. You give them money, what do they do with it? Buy bigger cars, travel over the world, send children to... They, you know, most schools Nigerians were going to in Ghana were inferior to Nigerian schools. They did not know. They didn't care as long as not in Nigeria. People send school, children to schools in Eastern Europe. I want, they want me to be impressed. Now, let me know. I'm digressing too much from my things I'm trying to say. So what happens sometimes that when we have a lot of peace, we don't use it properly, God takes it away. I told the brother, I said, tell your friend, it will be over. The indignation will soon be over. Amen. And I began to tell him, I said, listen, there's what they call indignation. That's why I'm talking about it. I said, go and look at the picture of homes, homes in Syria. Okay? Just 10 years ago. Look at pictures of beautiful places in Syria, Middle East. Just 10 years ago. I said, you look at the same things today. You wouldn't believe it. Even Tripoli, Libya. Those things were so beautiful. Nigerians ran there. Look at the same places today. You wouldn't believe it. I told my brother, I said, listen, it's called indignation. That the judgment of God comes. When God pronounces judgment, that's what you experience. The whole place will scatter. And I love when people in Nigeria over Europe. Listen, what happened in Syria can happen anywhere. What happened in Syria can happen anywhere. There was a time God brought indignation against Israel. And he warned them ahead. He said, I'm going to bring it against you. What are you going to do? When Nebuchadnezzar comes, he said, just follow him, JJ. Don't fight him. Those who follow him, easy. I will take care of. Okay? They did not listen to Jeremiah. So he came as he was prophesied. And took and killed and plundered and all of that. And the remnants, they went to Jeremiah and said, what shall we do? <laughs> he still said to the remnants, now God has taken those he wants to take away. The rest of you will stay here, abide in the land and keep the land. They said, hey, somebody paid you to prophesy this lie. We are going to run to Egypt, a peaceful country, a strong country, a country that Nebuchadnezzar cannot attack. 
Babylon can't go there. Jeremiah said, no, you stay here. They said, no, we are going. They went. I'm saying that what happened in Syria can happen anywhere. They went to their surprise. The Lord stirred up for their sake. The Lord stirred up Nebuchadnezzar where he was. Stirred up the king of Babylon. And the king of Babylon went to Egypt and found them there and killed all of them. These are Christians' reason. Everything is spiritual. I don't have one iota of faith in any country of this world. Listen to this, including Nigeria. I don't have faith in America. I don't have faith in any country of Europe. I don't have faith in Nigeria. I don't have faith in South Africa. I don't have faith anywhere. My faith is built on nothing else but on God, my Father. And I know that if He blesses me, wherever He keeps me, He will keep me there. And if you say as I go on, what you, are, you must be careful about, that everything you are doing in life, you are seen to be walking with that knowledge. That the Lord is my keeper. 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 You must put that knowledge in your heart. Every time you are making decisions, the Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my keeper. There's no country on earth that can prosper you. One of my doctors got up one day, saying he's going to run away to America. Four, two years later, his brother came to me and said, if he wants his job back, will you people give it back to him? Five years later, that is from the time he left, five or six years later, one day somebody called me and said, do you remember so and so person? I said, yes, I do. He said, somebody called him a few days ago and said, please come and help a frustrated doctor in America. Six years he had been there. He was frustrated. You know, why am I talking like this now? I'll get to my message in a moment. Well, let me talk some more. Let me talk some more. <laughs> Let me talk some more. <laughs> we need to talk and help people. You think people are listening to you? They are just doing like they did Ezekiel. They think you're a musician. <laughs> you think they are listening to you? When they make some decisions, they you like, what? You know what they did to Ezekiel? Say that man can preach. Every Sunday, Ezekiel's church was full. You know what God did Ezekiel? <laughs> they are not listening to you. You are an entertainer. So you are to them like a man who plays well on an instrument. In fact, you know what God said? You'll be like two-faced for them. Physically, <laughs> said, me, two-faced. <laughs> for my own, it's even, it's even easy. They have a, a musician that bears my name. Banky W. <laughs> one, day, one young man saw me downstairs here. We're just there after five, so we're just there standing and talking. He stopped. Good afternoon, sir. That's Pastor Banky, right? Banky W. <laughs> I looked at him like, are you alright? <laughs> the, the Lord is good. No, sometimes you don't know who I'm listening to. That's why I need to keep talking, saying these things. Let me tell you the truth, eh? As a believer, I'm talking about knowledge, what it does, alright? And you must let that knowledge seep into you and help you make decisions. You know, some time ago, I'm telling young people, run the run up and down. Don't run up and down. Look, listen, I like what the Chris Evans said in, in, during my convention, which I went for last week. Last time I was not around Saturday. He said, you must never let the needs of your life be the God of your life. I wrote that thing down. He said, the need of your life must never be the God of your life. What was he saying? Don't run up and down because you have needs. Let something more than need push you up and down. You know, I saw that the other day, I was telling you earlier, a lot of my classmates were in the same chat group and all of that. One day I decided to sit down and reason. 
If you know how to calculate, of course, people are in the chat group from three different countries. Nigeria number one. Okay, about four countries. Okay, Niger apart from Nigeria, about four other countries that I can remember. Now, yes. But mostly UK, US. And then I think one or two people in South Africa. Different parts of the world anyway. But mostly UK and US. And I analyzed it. This is a matter of fact. I'm not lying to you. We graduated from school 25 years ago to be 26 years October this year. So we sat down and looked at it. Looked at everything. People have run up and down. At the end of the day, guess what? We're all at the same level. If you know how to calculate what is important in life. All of us, we're about the same level. That's about it. Now, if you want to talk about those who have done things that mattered most, or matter in life, they just fairly evenly scattered, but maybe because we are more in Nigeria, I think the Nigerians have done better. I see all of, they, are, they are all over the place. I waited, I said, okay, that's, listen, at the end of the day, everybody's about the same level, there's no, see, let me tell you something, you have to let, let me be like this, give God time. Don't push him. Give him time. He doesn't have to make you a multi-millionaire now. He doesn't want to do it. If he did it, it won't help you anyway. When wealth increases, the number of people that eat the money only increases. That's all. If that doesn't increase, you buy cars. Look, you go and buy a Lexus. You go and buy one big Lexus. At the end of the day, what you don't realize, you are not more comfortable than the man in his Toyota Corolla. If actually, you realize it after a few weeks. It's those who have not bought one that don't know it. Those who have bought it, they know what Solomon knew. Vanity upon what? Vanity. Bear that in mind. So don't let, don't be, don't let anybody be tossing you up and down. Dollar will drop in value today. You packed your bag. You are going to Libya. When they start bombing Libya, you run to Somalia. Then when Somalia starts fighting amongst themselves, you start swimming to Lampedusa. Then you drown in the Mediterranean Sea. Then God now said, why did this boy drown? He said, because he couldn't wait. If he had waited back at home for just five more years, I would have brought the thing he was running up and down looking for. I would have brought them to his doorsteps. Why am I talking about that? Listen, that's how Christians react to things. Because of knowledge. Knowledge makes you smile. It does. People tell you there's crisis. What crisis are you talking about? At least this is my life. I have lived through a number of these crises where I'm making noise about. At the end of the, you know, there's one thing that the Lord has helped me to understand in recent times. I just learned that, in summary, banking. You know what? Jesus said long ago, but experience has taught us what Jesus said long ago. He says, sufficient unto the day is what? Sufficient unto what? Unto what? You know what Jesus said? Take the day one by one. Don't, you'll be surprised at how well you will handle each day if you don't worry about tomorrow. Oh, you'll be surprised that God has actually given you enough to handle today. And the reason why today is deficient is that you are focused on tomorrow. <laughs> that, that, what I've said is a matter of fact. Some people are looking for more money. If you, if you know what they are looking for more money for. If you see what they are looking for money for, you just be wondering. He's not eating more. He has to. I told you about the man who he died building houses. When I heard the story, it was sad. You know, there are things you don't worry about when God has not given you money. Listen, many people are running up and down looking for 
more money, more money. You know the truth? What is ailing them is tomorrow. Today, God is taking care of them. No, God is very faithful. He's very faithful. He's taking care of the day. You don't like your car, you don't like your car, but check it. That car will keep moving until the next one arrives. If you handle that car with gladness in your heart, joy in your soul, gratitude to God, you don't like it, you don't like it. There's one noise he's making. That noise will never stop you anywhere. Occasionally you call, they come. They will take it away, fix the noise, screw it back. He said, the noise has gone. You drive the car away again. After two weeks, another noise starts. Then you will fix that noise again. And that car will keep on moving until one day God will give you another one. Then that car, have you seen the way they behave? They just stop. Have you seen anything like that before? The car will just stop. That's why you now go to the Dejuku, take that there, oh God. Now, old age. This car did not know it was old until you got a new one. Let me tell you how it works. It's called the grace of God. God just withdrew the grace. I like the story I read in this man's book. God smuggler, Brother Andrew. He used one car for, he didn't, he had never had a car before. Somebody told him one day and said, the Lord says you're going to learn how to drive. And he's like, okay, I've heard. But of course, he didn't have a car. Why should he learn how to drive? So the person came one day and said, have you learned how to drive? He said, no. Enter my car. So the fellow went and taught him how to drive. He said, the Lord said you must learn how to drive. That they were praying and they had the revelation that he should tell him to learn to drive. And he was only like, learn how to drive. Make a long story short. After he learned how to drive, either that the people that taught him or another couple gave him a B2. He now had a car to be doing his mission work. Because that was his first car, he didn't know they used to change oil. Change filter, you know, air filter, oil filter. The guy was just driving all over Eastern Europe. Then finally, he stopped in front of one service station, one country, one day. I think the car stopped there. So, like, what happened to this car? So, he now saw a mechanic workshop, so he went and called the mechanic guy. And mechanic guy did not believe the car brought him there. That is not possible. This car is not moving. <laughs> that this car is not moving. He said, like, what is your problem? I've missed my car with peace of mind on this one. There and then, the, car, the mechanic re, re overhauled the engine, fixed everything, and told him how much it cost. Except that his money was $20 short. Let me summarize the story. The group of students, tourists, they just saw him and said they felt like giving, giving him $20. He just went, paid the mechanic, and took his car was back to new. What am I going to say here? The grace of God carried that car all that while. And when it was time for the car to be serviced, grace arranged everything. He just stopped in front of a mechanic workshop. What am I saying? Do you know God takes care of us every day? Every day. On a day-to-day, he's taking care. But when you start worrying about, ah, See, Chinedu has finished his house. Holy sir, I heard he's decking right now. And these are your cousins and your classmates. They start feeling like a fool. Then suddenly you start saving the money that God said is for each day. You now start saving it for the tomorrow problem. 
and then you're not balanced again. That's why you now start going for medical meetings. Somebody's poverty will be broken today, you will go forward. Somebody's breakthrough will come today, you will go forward. The witches in your mother's village say you will never build, you will believe. Somebody yesterday you went into the house of your auntie and she was sitting on the dining table and eating chicken. The Lord said I should tell you it's not chicken. It's your destiny. <laughs> and guess what? You will believe. Why won't you believe? They now tune TV <laughs> and see Emmanuel. My auntie said I will never build. You will believe. You now be arguing with me who is a man of God, who is not a man of God. Do you know your problem? It is, all this argument is not the issue. It is that you took the problems of tomorrow, brought it into today. That's what's confusing you. And in case you did not know, the only person in your whole extended family that spares five minutes a week to pray for you, is that your auntie? Do you know why? Because last year, you paid your cousin's school fees. Because December, you bought her a few bundles of material and a bag of rice. That is the reason why she remembers to utter your name in prayer about five days, five times, for five minutes a week. Say, ah, this is my nephew. God bless him. Help him. The devil that wants to destroy your destiny has to cut that prayer away. So it goes to all these jokers and they start seeing visions of devils for you. What is the solution? Don't give her anything again. And of course, when you don't do it for one year, two years, your cousins can't go to school. You that was helping before, you have stopped. She's a human being. The prayer will turn to accusation. She won't, she's not wishing you evil. She's just wondering in prayer. Lord, why is it that Chinedu is not remembering me again? It's a simple question I ask the Lord. So the Lord sends the investigating party. Find out why Chinedu... It's not remembering her again. That's, a, that's what they call accusation. They will not write it against you, forgetting the widows of your household. Start having a headache. Doctor say you have migraine. Why won't you have migraine? If you were you, won't you give yourself migraine? No, think about it. Won't you disturb your own soul for the wickedness of it? You see somebody who needs your money, you have it. I've heard the preachers go around preaching nonsense. Say so the money you God gave you for your house, you can't help you to help your auntie. You believe in that rubbish. They will not calculate for you that your father did not build because he was helping people. Let me tell you something. Christians behave like morons sometimes. They don't believe the words of the Lord Jesus. Your father was laying up treasure in heaven. That's why you're a believer today. That's why you are not smoking Indian hemp. Your cousins whose father did not help anybody, they had money. What happened to their grandchildren? All of them are not normal. Let's talk on the normal play. We don't even come to Christianity yet. And people, it's, it, nobody's personal experience can invalidate the word of God. It's always better to help people than to build a house. It's always better to help people than to multiply buildings. It's always better. Because Jesus said, when you give to the poor, you lay up treasure in heaven. Who's lying to me here? To tell me that people who did good works is the reason why they are poor today. I don't know which Bible you read. You say you're a Christian. What I want to say here, why do people believe all of those things? They believe all that. I hear the doctrines all the time, preach all over town. People want to invalidate the word of God for me. Let me tell you something. I've said it here again. I don't, feel like, I don't know why I feel like saying to me. Somebody brought these issues here this evening. It is not possible for you to give somebody money and they will use that money to harm you. It is not possible. God is judge. 
no witch has power. God is a judge. How will they make that? No, think about his common sense. How do they make that petition? Say, God, I have come to injure my niece, my nephew. God say, why? Because God says, I judge precise over every matter of this life, even if it's now Bonima and Brigham. Even if it's a Hindu that brings it. Even if it's Balaam that brings it. What if it's a matter of fact? So he will now say, with what have you come? He said, he gave me money to help me because I was hungry. No, think about it. The devil is not the judge. It's God. Let's not talk in the realm of occultism. That's what I'm saying. What would he say? His cousins were hungry. Then he sent me money to feed them. So here is the money. I want to use the money to enjoy him. Why? Listen, I know enough of occultic practices to know whoever told you that is lying to you. There was one story, Pastor Paul, you told one in Lagos. He said he read it somewhere. Very instructive. It's not Christianity, but in fact, I also heard at, at court tell similar stories. Different areas. Things that they said people just wrote. Maybe they, but it ties with what I understand. 